Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Welcome to Episode 5 of The Story Studio with your hosts, Luke Condor and Daniel Wilcox. Oh yeah, here we go. Check it out now. Story Studio, a podcast for an independent publishing company, explores the world of self-publishing, independent art, and the future of storytelling. It's a show for filmmakers, writers, comic book makers, crowdfunders, entrepreneurs, creators, and anyone looking to tell stories in the modern world. My name is Luke Condor with a K, and I'm joined by Mr. Daniel Wilcox. And we've got guests today. We've got Frizz on Comics. We've got Katie Whittle and Tom Smith. So if you guys want to say some words so we know what you sound like. Hi, uh, I'm Tom, and I'm the writer <laughs> for Frizz on Comics. And I'm Katie, and I'm the illustrator. <laughs> Great. Cool. How's it going, guys? How's the writing going? How's the creating going? Are you working on much? Uh, yeah, well, we've just finished writing the vibe, finished writing the uh, next story, and I'm about to uh, put that to a storyboard, and we're about to try and get our second graphic novel out now. Cool, cool. That's exciting. That's a sequel to, uh, I'm going to get the title wrong, Leave Only Footprints. Take on photographs, leave only footprints. Yeah. That's the one. Okay, yeah, cool. Yeah, Cool. Yeah, we'll get into that a bit more in, in detail throughout the show. Uh, Dan, how's your writing going? Yeah, mine's going well. I um, we're sort of whittling away at our projects. Yeah. Um, I think I, I, I think I've had a personal best with my writing this week. I uh, I somehow managed fourteen thousand words okay. in seven days, which was a personal best for me. So yeah, just kind of flying forward with um, Project Lazarus and getting <laughs> that off the ground. I had a personal best as well, but it was like mired by the fact that it wasn't as good as yours. <laughs> <laughs> so I got about 13,000, but you know, we're getting there. Um, yeah, that's the point of personal though, isn't it? It's everyone's different. Yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> um, okay. So me to big whoops. So oh, what a big whoop. Do you guys have a big whoop ready for us? Uh, yeah, I've, I've got one ready. Okay, um, cool. Uh, well, my big whoop, I guess, is uh, a comic that I've been reading recently called uh, I Am a Hero by Kengo Hanazawa. Okay. Uh, it's sort of like a 
zombie horror film. It's been out for quite a while in Japan, but it's just come out over here. And it's like in the first omnibus edition. And it's like supposedly a horror thing, but like no horror comes into it for about 200 pages or something like that. And what I find really interesting is like how it deals with sort of like uh, sort of very honest representations of like relationships and feelings of sort of uh, self-deprecation and inadequacy and stuff like that, which I found nice. quite interesting from a personal for personal reasons. Um, <laughs> who published that? Uh, it's uh, Dark Horse. That's uh, done okay. it. Yeah. Published for their label. Yeah. Two hundred pages in, there's like no biting or anything yet, or. No, no, there's uh, there's like hints towards it, like yeah. uh, maybe, yeah, but it's like literally, I think it's about 300 and something pages and it doesn't really get going until like right at the end, but it's just like the first, there's like quite a lot more to come out, I think. Yeah. I just really liked how it started and the uh, very slow build. And, so, uh, it's, so it's gripping enough to keep you going for those 200 pages? Yeah, even though it's basically just sort of... Uh, just his relationship and how he feels in it's Basically, it's about like a manga author who yeah. is, uh, he's moved in with his new girlfriend whose ex is a very successful manga author and he's having to deal with quite a lot of feelings of uh, inadequacy and stuff surrounding that and it sort of like feeds into his... I mean, he's already a psychotic before the apocalypse happens. Right. So <laughs> it's very interesting for that. Cool. Uh, Katie, have you got a big whoops? It's well, all right, no. Recently, <laughs> <laughs> uh, recently I bought uh, Through the Woods, but, well, Into the Woods by Emily Carroll. Yeah. Um, I'd seen it plenty of times on bookcases. Mm. Um, really, it was the cover that made me buy it, just because it's like so beautiful and it's very textured. and, and like, I, don't, uh, I don't know, it's just like really creepy and weird and unusual. Like um, There's a lot of horror comics out there and there's a lot of fairy tale comics out there. Yeah. And some like usually like it tends to be either very very sort of like childish or very gory, and this was like a nice mixture of like sort of just very creepy and mm. surreal. So it's a uh, book. It's a book, right? It's not a, not a graphic novel or a comic book or anything. No, it is a comic. Oh, okay, cool. <laughs> is that yeah. is that the one that the stage play and the film are based on? Um, not sure. <laughs> because <laughs> yeah. Oh, is that different? Have I got that wrong? No, no, no. That, I think that was like a Disney thing that came out. If yeah, yeah. I might be mistaken. No, no it yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a different thing. It is, okay. it is a graphic novel, so it's like a collection of fairy tales. Cool. Uh, of like the ones that I think she's made herself. And yeah. like it, it is a graphic novel, but it doesn't follow a graphic novel format. It doesn't have panels or anything. Like all like the different like um, storylines are very fluid, and they all like go into each other. And oh, okay. It's cool. very very beautiful and horrible. <laughs> <laughs> nice. nice. Uh, Mr. Yeah. Wilcox. He, uh, My. Uh, yeah, go on. Go on. No, I was just going to say... Uh, my, <laughs> my, uh, my big whoop is um, something that I've been watching for a little while. I'm slowly getting through it, but I'm just loving where it's going, is um, Preacher, okay. which has been obviously, uh, obviously originally a comic turned graphic novel turned TV show on... Mm. Uh, it's Amazon Prime exclusive, isn't it? It is, yeah. 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 It's not like AMC or anything, though. Um, and yeah, no, I, I read the uh, original collection, the first collection of uh, the comics and I thought it was absolutely bloody and brilliant and wicked and just completely original and I was really interested to see what happened when they turned it into a TV show because it's um, Seth Rogen's executive producer isn't he? Yeah. Um, and obviously he's a bit sort of wacky and stuff and I wondered what they do with it um, 
and it's one of those shows that's similar to um, the the graphic novel you mentioned, Tom. It's quite a slow build up in making things happen, but it seems very deliberate in taking its time. Yeah. And for those people who don't know the premise, it's that a thing comes down out of heaven, goes into the body of a preacher and gives him the power of the Lord so that anything that he says for people to do, they do. You have another character who's an Irish vampire who's absolutely phenomenal, just a brilliantly bloody wicked character. And then Tulip, who's just an angry kind of manic ex-girlfriend type person. Mm. Um, and I was, yeah, I was interested to see how it went from the book into the TV show, but they've, they've kind of changed the, the line of the story a bit to make it fit TV better and fit into a modern world. Cause it was originally written in the, I want to say the late eighties or early nineties, maybe. Yeah. Um, I'd probably say early nineties. I'm not, I'm not completely sure. Something around there. But, yeah. Um, yeah. And they've done a fantastic job. It's just yeah. brilliant to watch. See, I'm a massive fan of the comic books. I remember reading those like years ago and sort of losing a weekend to them. And um, I think I've watched the first two episodes of the TV show and it, it's not like I can see why they've done the diff- the changes, and I, I quite mm. like some of like the um I like the style and the, and the music and everything that, that they're using in it. But um, I mean, until Hairstar comes in it, I don't know if you did you read about Hairstar? Did you get that far in the story? He's like the neo Nazi. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, I wonder yeah. if he's going to come into it. Uh, spoilers or no spoilers? I think that was a spoiler. So yeah. <laughs> okay, cool. Yeah, but um, no. It, it, I think it wasn't until about episode five that the story started making sense. There's a lot of kind of unexplained build-up in the first few episodes, but um, it's ten episodes so far, I believe, and I'm up to I'm just coming up to the final episode and really enjoying yeah. it now. Yeah, because I know there's been some pushback. I think some people aren't happy that it's like changed from the comic books, and some people, you know, are happy that it's trying something different and isn't following it completely. Um, I'll give it a go, Dan. I will. I will take your recommendation. (laughs) Um, So my big whoop is something I can't quite explain, (laughs) but it's this, um, it's this platform called steam it. Um, Uh. So I'll do my best to explain it. It's the, um, it's halfway between a cryptocurrency like Bitcoin. um, And halfway between, I can already see their faces. (laughs) Yeah. Halfway between a social (laughs) media platform like Reddit. I don't really understand the, the, how currency works, obviously, because the way it works is you post content, and then if you if you get upvoted and how much you get upvoted by, by and by who you get upvoted by, um, you get paid. So this is amazing to me because I've seen some people. A friend of mine, Eric, is making about two thousand pound for a short story, which is like is unbelievable. So. We're we're gonna experiment with it. I want to get Eric on the show to find out what he's what he's doing because in my I've never known people to get paid for short stories generally, and I really love short <laughs> stories. So Not unless it's like twenty pound and publication in a magazine. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So the fact that this guy is well, not to be shy about it, he's he's raking it in. <laughs> like he's seriously <laughs> making so much money. So yeah, I've seen the numbers. Quite a few of his stories are sort of yeah quadruple figures, which is absolutely mental because it just feels like Reddit, but with like you say this weird cryptocurrency that yeah i i don't understand i'm waiting for you to make sense of it so you can explain it exclusively for uh, like written like like prose or is it no so you can post any content so um at the minute it's a bit of a mishmash i think it's only been going six months so i think the reason he's probably getting so much payout is because he's an early adopter um and there's not many people on there so it's just weighing towards him but um there's people doing like photography journals. I'm sure you could do 
like a like a weekly webcomic or something. Um, but as far as I can tell, the sooner you get on there and the more and the, the as long as you're posting frequently, you're going to start building up those numbers and, and start getting some decent money. We've been I've been experimenting, been posting like less than a thousand word posts, um, just bits of a short story, like sequentially. Um, and we've only been going three days and have made like made about a tenner or something. It's not massive, but I mean, it's quite exponential in the growth. So if you keep going, who knows, you know, where, where it will go really. So if you guys do want to do some comic book stuff up there, I don't think there's anyone doing that yet. So could yeah, be. And that's uh, Steemit, S-T-E-E-M-I-T. Dot com. Yeah. And if anyone now they can explain how it works, <laughs> how content makes money just by being upvoted. Yeah, I watched, the, I watched the intro video to that, and they use a lot of big words that don't <laughs> appeal to the to the modern man. I yeah. don't feel. Yeah, no, I, <laughs> I, I melted halfway through the intro video. It, yeah, uh... I feel like it's that kind of. I don't know. Joe, when someone tries to explain something to you, and they try to show off how clever they are. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's yeah. that kind of thing. So. Yeah. It's worth a shot. Yeah. Cool. Okay, so we are joined by Frizon Comics. So, guys, why don't you tell us a little bit about how you started working together and um, where you met, what was the first project together and, and all that jazz. Uh, well, uh, we, both, we both met at work, basically. We both used to work in the same cinema together. Uh, um, I'd never really read comics before until I was probably about 27 and Katie introduced me to them. And I was more from a, a writing background and uh, she's an illustration background, and we both wanted to get work out there, and it just seemed natural that it would be uh, good for us to work together, I think. What was the comic book that sold you? Like, what comic did Katie show you that made you think, oh, okay, this this is pretty well, cool? I, I was always put off by sort of, like, superhero-orientated stuff as a kid. Yeah. Um, I, it never really appealed to me too much growing up. I mean, I, used, I guess I used to watch the films and stuff, but it never really bothered me, and she lent me, like, a selection of what she thought could possibly get me into the medium which included like uh sandman the crow yeah. um mouse um watchman this <laughs> kind of goes against the trend like but, um it's <laughs> yeah yeah uh, i think that, that and then ever since then i started started seeking them out on my own and uh that was yeah. your gateway comic yeah it's kind of yeah it's kind of like hooks since yeah <laughs> moved on to harder stuff yeah what about you KT when did you start drawing I mean did you start really young did you sort of get into it a little bit later on Um, I've always drawn really like I said I did actually start really young Um, I've always come up with my own stories and stuff and illustrate them you know I've got like my first ever comic that I wrote which was when I was 11 still at home it's in like Mm. a little folder Um, being the young goth that I was it's very dark (laughs) Uh, <laughs> but yeah, like I've, I've always kind of wanted to go into the comic medium. Um, so I started reading comics when I was about ten. Like started like buying comics when I was about thirteen, yeah. and that sort of pushed then my artwork more towards comic making. Yeah, like I did all my GCSE projects on comics. I did my um, degree on comics. I wrote, I wrote my dissertation about comics. <laughs> so. wow. That's cool. So the same question now. Do you remember what the first comic was that you read that sort of turned you on to them? Um, I had like a lot of um, sort of like horror magazines as a kid. You know, yeah. sort of like um, ones where you get like free little gooey like Frankenstein's and stuff with and I used to like reading them. But the first proper graphic novel I bought was The Crow and it was just because I loved the film. 
and I didn't realise it had come from a comic, and I just assumed that, basically, that, again, those comic books, I thought there was going to be superhero stuff, and it was kind of stuff like that that really got me into it. And then, yeah, I started reading Sandman. Mm. Like, that really, really got me into the medium. <laughs> like, it was just yeah. very intelligent and very well thought out. I think, that's a, I think a lot of people are under the impression that, like, comics is superhero-based or Beano or, or they've got a certain um, idea of it, but it's incredibly literary. Or they're, they're, I mean, it's just as open a medium as prose or films or TV or anything. There's so many like amazing comics out there that are just... I mean, Dan, you're not a big comic book person, are you, I don't think? No, I mean, I, I enjoy the odd one here and there, and I've mm. got a few friends that are massively into them that... Um, sort of they'll read something like i've read what the i can't remember which hawkeye it was but the latest one that everyone's reading um uh, because so i was recommended Matt fraction it. one Matt that fraction is, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah 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 and i enjoy i enjoy the style i enjoy um the medium itself it's just that normally i will hunt out a book as opposed to uh a comic because i was the same i found that well my biggest thing that puts me off of buying comics is the fact that especially with marvel and dc which are kind of have monopolized comics hmm. it's it seems a big commitment to commit to one character over whatever storyline. There's a lot going to yeah. it. So when it came round to a friend introduced me to Preacher, um, and I've actually just bought the first collection of The Walking Dead because I love the TV show. Um, it, I prefer those style, I think, a lot more to your sort of shorter superhero ones. Yeah. So you prefer a graphic novel. You, you can get in there, get the story, get out. Whereas, yeah, like, yeah. I, know, I know what you mean. I mean, um, a lot of these, like, <laughs> I was trying to explain to Cat, like, the um the all new all different Marvel Avengers and I was trying to go for all the different characters <laughs> and she was like why is Thor a woman why is Spider Man black and I was trying to like it took me like about half an hour to explain to get her to a point where I think she'd be able to read it and sort of enjoy <laughs> it so there's a lot of like there's a lot of uh, weight behind there yeah but, um, but I think more and more now you are getting sort of indie comic publishers like yourselves that are creating much more literary stuff I mean um. Take any photographs, leave any footprints, which I got right, yeah? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that, when I read that, it was very, it, it just felt so different because it was away from, from the superhero genre. And even down to, I, I've only really got Preacher as a frame of reference, but it felt a lot more grounded, a lot more almost local and, mm, yeah. I don't know, like, fulfilling to read. Yeah. yeah comics for local people. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we, we, even we try to stay away from even um, things within the horror genre as well. I mean, you mentioned Walking Dead. I'm actually a big fan of that, but we kind of wanted to move away from kind of like gore-orientated horror. Yeah. And what's something that was like a bit more creepy and maybe a little bit more subtle. I don't know if we achieved that or not. Uh, but yeah, that's yeah. what we're yeah. I mean, I, um, I read it a couple of days ago and it was just... One of those that, I don't know, I got quite hooked from the beginning and it is a bit of a slow burner until you get about halfway through. I don't want to say too much in case like it spoils it for other people, but yeah, you get halfway through and they come back from the beach and the stuff starts happening and I'm just like, right, this is disgusting. <laughs> this, is, <laughs> this is horrible. And I, I generally got quite creeped out by it. Um, but I mean, is it worth you guys telling us a little bit about how that comic came to be, where the idea for that came from? Um, it is actually based on a, a little bit on a true story. Mm. <laughs> um, oh. <laughs> uh, we actually, uh, had a trip to the beach, um, and I have a habit of like, like actually, collect, I, I collect things on the beach. I collect all the dead crabs. I do collect all like the barnacles. <laughs> and 
collect <laughs> everything that looked like it was once alive, mm. and I normally take it all home and I make a little pile and then I forget about it. And I did it this <laughs> one time, and I heard all these noises <laughs> coming from um, a bag in our living room, and it was like all these drip drip noises, and I thought we had a leak, and it just like. <laughs> It took me ages to actually find out where it was coming from. I actually did like look under all the floorboards. I was like putting my ear against all the walls and everything. And it turned out it was coming from this bag, and it was the, the barnacles alive in my bag. And so. they and they make a drip <laughs> dripping sound. I've yeah, never I've never seen happened. this in real life. Is this no. is this something that happens? Uh, yeah, it was yeah. actually if you, if you actually go on the comic, there's a QR code at the end. I did see that. Scan, yeah. If you scan that into your phone, it actually takes you to a video of the genuine barnacles. And it's oh, the noise that they were making as well. Well, I, I know what I'm doing like, after this interview. Cute personally. I actually really like them. I wanted to keep them as a pet, but like maybe for a little bit. But then we actually released them in the end. We actually put them back there. We're from Liverpool, so we put them in the Nazi, which is a tidal river, so yeah. they're fine. Okay. But... <laughs> I once had um, I once had freshwater clams in a fish tank, and I'd never seen them alive, and it was the weirdest thing because they don't really come out until night. And I remember coming down at about two o'clock in the morning. My house, my bathroom is downstairs, and seeing just it basically just looked like snot outside of this shell, and it was crawling <laughs> along the bottom of the floor. I was like, oh, but they they didn't quite make drip drippy noises, but probably because they were underwater. Yeah, <laughs> I think that the, the noise that comes from the barnacles is um the shell opening and closing, so it sort of like makes a popping noise. Uh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like Oh, that makes the story even more gruesome for me now. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, in terms of, like, influences, when I read it, I got a, like, a, it's a surreal sense of, like, a Kafka story or, like, a Junji Ito sort of story. Um, but, like, unlike those stories, this, like, had a very... It felt like the missing episode of The Twilight Zone to me. Like, it was just, you know, you went in there, you, like, introduced a creepy concept, like a what-if scenario... And then you took it to its conclusion, and it felt like a f- complete episode to me. It was it was really good. I mean, I'd like to know who who would you say were, were the main influences of this particular story? Well, it's funny you should say Junji Oh, really, because that's the that's the kind of thing that we were trying to sort of go for. It's where it's like sort of like a mix of the like really horrible surreal horror, sort of like mixed with like a really dark sense of humor as well. It might just be both. Well, I, I I personally find it quite funny, but maybe other people don't. But we're yeah. trying to go for like a healthy mix of like sort of like fun humor yeah. as well as like the like genuinely dark uh, horror as well. Yeah, yeah. There there were some moment sticks of me as the um, old woman on the back. Yeah, of the bus. I was going to say the same thing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, she. Uh, you're right. There's little sort of injections of humor in there, but they're quite subtle. So. I think yeah. they could be missed by some people if it's not read properly, but yeah. I, I, th- I do think you possibly don't have to find it funny to still get enjoyment out of it. Mm. I'd say like one of the influences as well would be something like League of Gentlemen, where it is genuinely really creepy, but yeah. at the same time quite hilarious. Yeah. But like, there's like plenty of times in League of Gentlemen where it's really, really uncomfortable and you are genuinely creeped out, and it's not always directly hot, like comedy. Yeah. That, really <laughs> that that is a genre in itself, isn't it? Like there's the the one that they did after League of Gentlemen, which was I thought was even more terrifying. Um, I can't remember what it's called. Yeah, Psycho. Yeah, Psycho. Yeah, I found that like seriously, like it was a horror yeah. film in many ways, but it was also like ludicrously funny. Um, yeah. So I mean, how long did the process take? Like, so you had the idea. Um, who said this should be a graphic novel? Well, originally, um, 
I, I wrote it in prose as a short story. It's about uh, about 12 pages long. I can't remember how many words. Um, and I wrote that basically in the space of a week or so. Uh, originally, I was going to try and submit it just as a short story, just maybe see if anyone would be interested in publishing it. And then uh, Katie approached me, and she's currently doing a, a master's in illustration. And uh, she's like, approached me about adapting it into a comic book. So it was quite a good, short, self-contained story. I thought, and then, yeah. And I guess, I guess you kind of liked it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, I, like um, he passed it on to me to read originally, and it had like a good mixture of emotions in it. Like, um, it was horrible, but at the same time, you got attached to the characters in the prose story. And like I thought the ending was quite sad on it, like I genuinely felt quite, um, yeah, depressed when I finished it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, when you sort of left thinking about something afterwards. Yeah. So I was just like thinking about it and I thought like maybe a visual element would be a good addition. Yeah. And I was very happy for Katie to mm. like do it in her style. It's kind of, and then it's kind of, it's kind of like sort of like, when, have you, have you ever seen the cartoon When the Wind Blows? It's sort of about these two sort of like cutesy old characters and basically they get an atomic bomb dropped on their village and it's about them slowly dying from radiation poisoning and it's sort of like the contrast of this kind of like cartoony sort of like cutesy characters with all these sort of like horrific things happening to them at the same time uh, and I thought it was like it kind of like accentuates the horror and I thought uh, Kate's style would uh, help us to do that quite a lot. Yeah. It definitely did. It was fantastic. Yeah. Did you find um because this was this was your first project working together, right? Uh yeah, it's that yeah. first project. Yeah. yeah. Did you find many points of resistance with did um Katie want to take the imagery in any way that might have detracted from the original story or was it kind of a smooth process? Uh well I draw them out in my very terrible drawings like beforehand <laughs> on like uh like the storyboarding almost. So I think it's fairly smooth. I think did you say you work well with direction or? Yeah, I found it quite helpful because like I have actually, I did actually start my own webcomic um, a couple of years ago and I found that I sort of tailored off finishing it off or working on it consistently just purely because like I think I work better when I've kind of got like a framework to go from. So like him actually, you know, doing a very, very, very basic, you know, sort of panel layout or whatever did, did help and it sort of like, meant that like I could put like some more crazy panels in there as well, you know, because I could see what did work and what didn't. Yeah. Like um some of the more experimental panels like oh, you know, because maybe like I got to I could critique how we've done it and then change it myself. That uh, sounds like a really weird way of thinking, but it, it does help definitely. <laughs> that that it's a it's a match made in heaven because that style does suit that story. I mean, I can't really picture it being any other way really and having the same effect. It reminds me. Have you ever read the the Underwater Welder by Jeff Lemire? Oh, it's, it's, you should check it out because still it's the same kind. It's a similar sort of illustration style. It's a similar sort of what if Twilight is only style story. Um, I think you'll dig it. Yeah, definitely check that out. Um, so how far did you get when you were like, okay, we need to crowdfund it? We're asking because we are going to be doing some of our own crowdfunding style stuff at some point, and we don't know how to do it. <laughs> <laughs> we 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 didn't really know how to do it either we kind of like entered into it on a whim we just kind of did it one afternoon and we launched it and we didn't even have like a facebook page ready or we didn't have anything and we set it up and we're like crap how are people even going to know about this 
How, uh, how many did you ask for initially? And then you kind of like sort of like had to catch up with it basically. So yeah. you kind of like uh, set up a blog and Facebook and all the social media stuff that you do <laughs> today. Yeah. In these days, no matter how much you don't want to do it, it's like I'm not really a massive fan of like Facebook and Instagram and all these kind of things, but you just have to become okay with it and just yeah. not be afraid to like put it out there. Because yeah. I was always worried that like, if I'm putting it on my personal Facebook or whatever, people are just going to be sick of me. It is like I'm sick of them trying to beg for money for <laughs> or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> um, it helps if you have a strict deadline set for publishing and stuff anyway, like before you start, because like I think it helped with us because we like I I did have to get this comic finished to hand in as well as. Oh okay that. yeah yeah. Basically, so I did have like a very very tight deadline. And that sort of helped us formulate like how long we needed the to crowdsource for. Um, it took like sort. It helped a lot, you know, with like sort of estimating how long it would take for stuff to get sent out, how long it would take to get um, built. Like, like, yeah, to yeah. like fill, fulfill the deliveries and stuff like that. Mm. And I think one of the biggest things that helped us like is that we were very realistic about how much we needed to like be able to get the because it's basically just to fund the printing. Um, yeah, yeah. And um, like you see some uh, Kickstarters that maybe don't get successfully funded. I think a lot of it's because they kind of like have a misconception of how much they're going to be able to fund on it, on especially on a first project where you basically coming from nothing. So our plan with it was to sort of like build up a a very a very modest but at least somewhat of a a, a customer base, mm. almost that people are willing to take risks on new things. Yeah. Um, and we basically we just said all we want is the money to be able to print it. Yeah. Um, so how much would you say for a first project? The initial initial well, asking price would be. What we asked for was we we our target was only eight hundred because uh, we, we wanted to get a, a run of about I think we planned to do one hundred and twenty five and I think we ended up with one hundred and seventy five of what we managed to raise in the end. Mm. Just enough copies to sort of like just get it out there and then. Mm. We basically calculated if we manage to sell all those, then we'll have enough to fund the next print run and and just carry on going. And that was, I mean, it it really depends how many pages you're going for. Like, what, I mean, we wanted to have like quite a professional looking book at the end of it. Um, so I think we went with like, was it one of the more expensive ones, of, like Crimson? No, no, it was like very reasonable. Um, the prints we went with just to put a little plug in here was Comic Printing UK. And yeah, they're, they're the ones that always come up when I talk to people. Yeah, well, the the guy Rich who runs it, he's amazing. He like gave me us so much guidance along with you know like how to get stuff printed, how many pages we'd need, and you know just just generally you know binding and things like that. You know he recommended us a lot of things, and he like even at his own detriment at times, it wasn't just to sell stuff to you. It was just genuinely very very helpful. And I can vouch for the quality of those comics because at the it was London um, Film and Comic Con that I met you guys, wasn't it? And yeah, granted, I was in a giant inflatable dinosaur costume, but, uh, <laughs> but no, they they were really really sort of professionally printed. They looked like you you <laughs> you sort of buy in a shop. They were they were fantastic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We were really impressed when we got them. Actually, like uh, we'd seen other people that had printed with them, um, but you, you always kind of worry until they actually come through the door in that box and you actually. Get to feel how nice they yeah. feel. Yeah. <laughs> just in case they don't meet your expectations. <laughs> Did you have yeah. any any hiccups along the way? Like, is there anything that that went wrong that you would do differently next time, or advise people to be wary of? 
Um, not so much like things that went wrong, but the, like certain things that I would advise people to do in advance, sort of like maybe contacting um, like blogging websites and stuff, mm. and to promote stuff like like a lot earlier on. Like we only did it in the last week, mm. and we we did get picked up by a couple of people, and it did definitely help. You know, within the last week or so, getting a couple more like people pledging. So I'd say do it earlier on and just like keep at people, you know, throughout the whole campaign, you know, so you've got a constant momentum. Because yeah. like it's what tends to happen is you tend to get like a spike in the very first week and it dips in the middle and then you get a spike at the end because it get you're at the top of the chart again because you're finishing. So you need stuff in the middle, you need to um keep out in the middle, you need to promote it more, you need to contact more people to promote it. Yeah. And and you say that when you started you didn't have any of your other pages set up. So what was it that was initially that you initially went to for your audience because you you post on your personal pages, but was there anything else that you kind of used in the meantime to fill that gap? Absolutely, there actually really wasn't. I mean, Katie's already got like a, a page <laughs> and a blog set up for illustration, but I mean, I literally had nothing. And uh, yeah. we didn't even, one thing that really does help actually is like, we didn't really want to put a video on, so we thought we'd come across this kind of like awkward and not very well. We do now, but... And we would like really thought it would hinder us if anything to have a video on there mm. um, but about halfway through the campaign like after all the people that we knew had like had like already pledged their money and we were kind of like it seems to be lagging a bit we put a video on and even a bad one that we did put up helped us quite a lot I think yeah <laughs> <laughs> I think they just want to you know sort of like hear from the creators a little bit I yeah think it's kind of like why people use Kickstarter in the first place is, is it the human touch yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know they can. It's like they're taking a risk on something that they really want to see fulfilled, and yeah. you know a lot, the, a lot of a lot of the time before you don't have a say in that. Do you? you basically have to have the end product that an industry is pushing towards you or something like that? Yeah, yeah. And say like when formulating actually what your budget should be, you should take into account like uh, the people who are buying from you as well. Uh, we put up a stretch goal for when we got an extra two hundred pound on top of our original. One thing, so we could just like give out badges, posters, and stickers, and like a lot of crowdfunding pages that fail, they don't offer extra things, and they don't really tailor towards the people who are actually pledging. Like it's all about kind of taking the money, and they don't really give back enough at times. Yeah. But I think you need to look after the people who are actually backing you, mm, and, yeah. well, and give them credit as well. <laughs> and that's something that what was the um Luke? Do you remember when we met in Sheffield? What was the comic that you bought that had all the bonus stuff then? Oh, uh... do you remember? Uh, Brethren Born is John Late's um, Kickstarter comic. Um, yeah, because but... it, it definitely adds that little bit of extra something, doesn't it? Because if yeah. I feel like if you want to try and help out someone who is indie, who is just trying to start off and make that, that vision, it is nice to kind of know that you're being cared for as well, that you're being appreciated for for your help. So what what kind of stuff did you give out as extra? Um. Well, we've got a badge pack made, so everyone who backed a physical copy after the stretch goals were here got four badges. Uh, they got a pack of vinyl stickers, and they got an exclusive poster as well. Really, yeah, like even at the, like the lowest tier where you got a physical copy where it was ten pounds, you got all those things. Yeah. Is, yeah, and a PDF as well. Yeah, and we've got everyone got a PDF as well. Like everyone who bought a physical copy originally anyway got a PDF, just so that even if their copy got damaged, you still have the PDF version. Yeah. 
And just like looking through your Facebook page, it looks like you're doing a lot of like conventions at the minute. Are you? Uh, is that like your ongoing marketing strategy, or is there anything else going uh, on there? Basically, at the moment, the thing that we're doing is we're trying to see which ones are worth doing and which ones aren't, because yeah. what you can sell at a convention really varies between who's running the conventions, who's attending them, what the general goal is towards them. For example, like the one that you met was at the the London one. Um, those ones that run by uh, the Showmasters thing, um, they're not necessarily the best with small press. Cause at that one, we sold more of Katie's sort of illustration than we did really. We think we sold about four books in total. Yeah, and you were kind of separated from the rest of the comic section as well, weren't you? You were. I'm, I'm not sure why why they did, but you had your sort of upper balcony full of comic artists and a few other people, and then you were kind of down on the bottom stools. In a way, that was a good thing for us because showmasters are terrible at promoting small press. Mm. Like, not many people knew that the comic um, alley was up there at all. Uh, I spoke to a couple of traders, and a lot of them hadn't made their table back, and they had a reduced fee as well. So, okay. Yeah. Uh, like, there's another reason to stay away from showmasters. They, like, they really don't care that much about small press. Like, they, like it's more about maybe memorabilia and autographs, yeah. which isn't a bad thing. It's just not great for you know people who are producing indie work. Yeah. I think I've heard this is a is a bit of a uh, a common conversation going around at the minute about Comic Con's not really catering towards comics at the minute. Um, these bigger ones, yeah, anyway. Yeah. Um, kind of doing, yeah. Not it's not doing the term Comic Con much justice, really, at the moment. It's yeah, it's more like collectors, yeah, the pop vinyl cons, really. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah. you guys said you went to MCM as well, didn't you? Uh, we go. We're going to an MCM going one to in Glasgow in, in September. Yeah, because when I went to um, MCM last year, it was last May at the XL in London. That I found. Um, I mean, it was before I met the H and C guys, and before I kind of got a bit more clued up on comics and stuff. But they had an entire section that was purely for indie small press comics, and they had some. I don't know. It had everyone clustered together, but there weren't big, big names. They were sort of people who are breaking through the concrete and getting their name out there and that that mm. seemed quite nice because they were sort of talking together networking and at the same time they were very nice at pushing their stuff and trying to draw you into their mailing list of bonus things and so i think that one i mean that probably might be a bit better to look at than say the film on comic-con yeah mm. the one that we're really excited about is going to thought bubble in november because yeah. we, we go there all the time and like the focus is on there is you know indie small press is that at uh, Leeds or where is that one? Yeah, it's Leeds. Yeah. So yeah, that's, that's the one. I, that's that's Dan. That's the one I was telling you about where you get to pitch a story for 2000 AD. I'm gonna the terrifying thing. The terrifying yeah. thing that we're we'll trying to do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Are you gonna yeah, Are you gonna try it, Tom? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not ready yet. I was, I they still... are very nice though. <laughs> I went a few years ago with a portfolio, and they were very kind about. <laughs> Maybe oh, not cool. the best way. <laughs> uh, are you going to do it, Luke? Because you said you were thinking about I it. I really want to because I really want to write for 2000 AD. I really want to get a future <laughs> shock done. So um, I think, you know, I've been on stages before and to varying degrees of success. So I think it would be okay. I um, I just know that I, I need to do it. I just need to get on stage and do it and it'll be fine. But um, yeah. I don't know. We'll see how that goes. <laughs> very very nice they're very helpful as well like even if they don't take your work they'll tell you exactly what's wrong with it and what you need to improve but not in a bad way in a very good critique way <laughs> okay cool so <laughs> it's not like not like dragon's den or anything then right that's what i'm picturing <laughs> <laughs> cool uh, yeah do you find a lot of, do you find in terms of building an audience um 
that cons are quite helpful or do you do a lot of social media stuff and digital stuff as well that you find is quite good for because i'm not what are your sort of obviously don't answer if you don't want to but what are your numbers sort of like for followers and fans um, I mean, obviously, we, we you can't say reasonable. <laughs> we, we, we always, we always want to be like have more and everything. But you know, we like the cons. We see, you see, everyone is like every con that we do is like an opportunity to like meet people, and mm. even if they just take a business card or a flyer or they check out our website or something, you know, maybe. I mean, we try to get in the process of getting the comic on Amazon at the moment. So I think once it's on there, like people sort of like see it as almost like a sign of legitimacy. Yeah. It's on one of the big sites like that. Um, so I mean, like it all, it all contributes towards it's all progress in in, our, in my eyes anyway. We've had like a lot of very positive feedback about it, which leads me to think that if we did produce another graphic novel, that they would be quite happy to purchase it. Yeah, like, we've had a lot of feedback from people who bought it at conventions who aren't necessarily ongoing fans, but. Yeah, I think there's a good market for it, and I think that we are building up a subtle base rather than you know a screaming fan base. <laughs> it's 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 the same with every independent publishing company. I think it's that whole idea of the one thousand true fans. So just finding those people who really like your stuff, who are going to follow you around and buy more than one <laughs> book, and um, I think that's the thing to aim for there, right? Rather than a lot of people yeah, don't really care. The thing is, it, it's kind of hard to get with this because there's so much content out there. It's hard to get people to take a risk on something that's just totally unknown to them, basically. Yeah. Uh, you know, they, they need a lot of the time it takes a recommendation from someone. Or you know, it's 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 kind of hard because we get a lot of people picking it up and looking at it, and you can see like they're, they're, they're tempted, but they're just not sure. And, yeah. and it, you don't you don't want to start doing the hard sell to them and stuff like that at conventions because that just kind of this then the, it just scares them away <laughs> yeah um so it's, you just gotta try and for it to happen naturally i guess <laughs> you uh, should do that yeah. thing I, I did a job interview as a salesman once and it was giving out flyers and stuff and they said well, the thing you should do is you hand them the book and as they grab it you pull them with it back towards you to, like, <laughs> them in. I, I didn't get the job because i wasn't willing to do that but um <laughs> That sounds yeah. awful. I, I think yeah. I pushed the person. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I was giving flyers out at the Comic Con in Sheffield yesterday, um, and there's just people. They just they see people giving flyers out, and they're instantly suspicious. Yeah. They just think that you're going to try and you know you're going to use some kind of con artist. So I had to <laughs> resort to giving stickers out for free as well. And people were happy to take the stickers, so they took a flyer as well. So yeah. cool. <laughs> there's something a bit weird about stickers. You could have what is essentially the content of a flyer on a sticker and people will yeah. wear that more proudly than taking a leaflet. <laughs> that is totally true as well. Yeah. 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 Are so your... we've got our... Oh, go on, Luke. Uh, no, go on, because I've got a next question, so you go. <laughs> okay, I was going to say, so we're, we're doing our first con uh, on the 1st of October in Lincoln. It's called the Lincoln, um, which is the first time that this company, particular company, has come to Lincoln to do one. Um, but it's got it's got quite a big venue. It's sort of just around the corner to where I work. And... We're gonna, I think we're going to get quite a good bit of footfall. What sort of advice would you give us while we're there to help with what we're doing? Bear in mind, we don't have a comic yet. <laughs> no, we, we have a comic on the way and we have some books We've amongst books. us writers. Yeah. We actually did a comic con in Manchester before we had the book printed. And uh, we 
concentrated on trying to get flyers out and build some awareness. And we actually, uh, Katie's still at uni, so she gets discounted printing. So mm. we mocked up some sort of like very basic, um, about 20 pages, I think it was, the first 20 pages of the book. And we're handing them out to people. We just, we actually just give it them out for free. But I think we could have possibly sold them for one or two pounds, possibly if we, yeah. if we were still working at that point, like proper jobs. <laughs> Um, I, th- I think we should dress Ben as El Marvo. Yeah, yeah, that'd be cool. I um, I, I think we should go and give out loads of free stuff. Uh, and just ask for the email addresses. I think, and uh, we've got plenty of free stuff to give out. So yeah, hugs. One of the things I've been recommended um, to do, but we haven't actually started doing yet ourselves, is starting a mailing list as well, taking people's emails. Yeah. Um, like I try and engage as many people as you can and tell them about what you're doing yeah, and rather than just handing them a flyer because people just throw them away or don't look at them after the corner. Say that people, when they want to put money towards things, they want to meet the creators and they want to know what it's about from the personality of the creator. So I'd say just be very genuine and engage with as many people as you can. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think you'll be good, Dan. Dan. I think Dan will be really good. He's very like he's a charming fellow. So... <laughs> I, uh, a lot of my it. background is actually uh, a bit of a side note for people that don't know. I used to be a chlamydia screener, and that involved going out into nightclubs and trying to convince people to do tests. So I think I'd make it all right as a bit of a a bit of a salesman. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, nice. I think I got, I got a free share, but did up doing that once in a club. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. Not a, that's not a bad freebie. We normally gave away things like whistles and pants. <laughs> we should give out free chlamydia tests at the con and see I think we <laughs> see how many people we get. Yeah, I've I've got the contacts. I'll see if I can get some equipment. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> um, so what's next for Frizzon Comics? What are you? I mean, I saw something about a not an anthology, but like a a, a collected works or something. It's called Knock Knock. Is that right? Um, it's a zine that we put together. Um, because we noticed when we were doing our Kickstarter that there were several artists actually already on Kickstarter from Liverpool. Like, in the comics part alone, there were three of us out of 200, which, considering that the Kickstarter spans across the whole world, that's a large amount, really. Mm. And there wasn't really a network so much for, like, um, local artists. So we uh, decided to start contacting people and try, like, because uh, we wanted to set up, you know, an easy way for people to contact each other and promote each other. Yeah. So that's what Knock Knock is. We've it's a collected um, book of stories, illustrations, comics... Um, it's got everything and it's got fine art in it as well, poetry. You know, so it is really, really collective and it sort of is a way of sort of promoting people and getting people maybe who wouldn't otherwise read this way to read it. Well, if you need any stories, we uh, it's yeah. what we do. <laughs> <laughs> We're doing it as like a quarterly thing and uh, basically just try to expand our scope every time. Uh, the next one's going to be the autumn one. It's like a Halloween-themed one, so... Uh, we're going to be taking submissions on that very soon. Cool. If any anyone who's listening fancies doing it, then just drop us an email uh, straight to us and just submit stuff. And we're always happy to give everyone's thing consideration. Or either pretty open minded what what we include. So wicked. Where can people find your email address? Um, it's pretty easy. It's just uh, frisoncomics at gmail dot com. <laughs> that's that's frison f r i s s o n. Yeah. Yes. That's yep. right. You saw. Cool. Where can people find the, um, you know, your website, and where can they buy the book and, and all that jazz? Um, well, we have a, a, a WordPress. I think that's the, the the main blog that we use for it. Um, but we sell mainly uh, online on uh, comicsy.com. 
Yeah. Um, and it's just it's just a free song comic store on there. <laughs> Literally cool. comicsy.co.uk forward slash free song comics. Cool. And we what? do have it on Kindle, but it's a bit more expensive than Comicsy, so I'd recommend doing it. Yeah, because of the way that royalty works, that we have to charge more on Kindle. So it's a if you want a digital copy, get it off Comicsy instead. We, we get all the money. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and cool. Less as well. Everyone wins. <laughs> Cool. I'll put I'll put all of these links in the show notes as well. So um, yeah, so <laughs> thanks for coming on the show. I mean, you guys have seen very lovely people. Uh, I really want to meet you in, in person and, and shake your hands. And I want to see the comic in physical because I've read the PDF. I've not seen it in in real life. But yeah, yeah. So thanks again, Dan. Have you got any closing words? <laughs> yeah, no. Just one more question from me: Is where did Frizzon come from, or Frizzon come from? It's a. It's like a brainstorming session we had for a, like, a comics label, and we decided on it's the French word. It actually means like a a shiver, which isn't totally unpleasant. Yeah. <laughs> oh, nice! I like yeah. it. So yeah, yeah, it's, uh, yeah um, we thought it was quite appropriate for what we were trying to go with <laughs> in terms of what our content is for the stories and such. Cool. Perfect. Uh, I just want to tell the listeners: go to www.hawkcleaver.com and check out the other stories podcast. Carl, we've got a new editor editing the shows and the audio quality of the editing has gone up dramatically. It's phenomenal. Yeah. It's brilliant. So, <laughs> cool. All right. Well, thank you very much, guys. Nice thank talk you. Again. Yeah, thank you very much. Yeah. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Story Studio Podcast. Still hungering for some podcast goodness? Then why not check out our other show, The Other Stories. Oh. And did you know, every time you leave us a review in the iTunes store, a puppy is born. Cute, eh? Anyway, toodle pip.